we have these um, black and brown teachers who care, but it's not enough of us to fill all of the school systems. Mm -hmm. We're broken up, we're spread apart so much. It's kind of like still affirmative action is in, in, in place, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, we filled our quota, that's it. Welcome to One on One with the One and Only, brought to you by Nitty in the City. On this episode, I sit down for an in-depth conversation about radio broadcasting, education, and even a mini-music review as I go one-on-one with the one and only, Trial the New Guy, my Team Nitty Radio co-host. During our discussion, we'll gain a deep understanding into her impact as an educator on her students and community. So just kick back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I present to you, one-on-one with the one and only, Trial the New Guy. All right, y'all, it's me, it's me, it's the OG. That's right, it's your boy OG Nitty, and here I am now with one-on-one with the one and only. Yes, that's where I sit down across the table from one other person, and we have an intimate, in-depth conversation about any and everything surrounding that person, surrounding their community, surrounding what they're doing. A lot of it is off the cuff. You've already heard two previous episodes of it, so you get a feel for how it's going. This is under the Nitty in the City franchise umbrella. So, yes, you continue to tell a friend to tell a friend to log on to Nitty in the City. You can catch us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher. Uh, it's about 10 different sites. I can't even keep up with them anymore. We out here, man. I'm about four listens away from my thousandth, my thousand stream, my thousandth listener. So, shout out to everybody. That's been holding it down since Nitty in the City started a couple months ago. But let's get right to it. In the building right now, we have someone in Team Nitty Studios who is no stranger to the, <laughs> to the Team Nitty radio experience, to the Nitty in the City experience, to just the Nitty experience, point blank, period. Uh, usually see her about every week or so, depending on what season it is. You know, maybe if it's not track season, maybe if it's not gymnastic season, maybe if it's not swimming season or something. That's right. It's so one of my co-hosts from Team Nitty Radio. Today we are going one-on-one with the one and only Trail, the new guy. What's going on, Trail? Hey, that was an awesome introduction. I'm oh. like, oh, shucks. Thank you. You know, it's off the top, too, so that made me feel even, you know, <laughs> feel even better. So, of course, you know, like I said, a lot of people already who listen to Team Nitty Radio, who follows the whole Nitty in the City movement, they're no stranger to you as well. But, True. of course, yeah. as we're now expanding and branching out, and Nitty in the City has listeners in places like Guyana and Vietnam and yada, yada, oh, yada. Oh, really? That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. I saw you were almost at your thousandth episode. Did you hit it? Yeah. Uh, last I checked, I was at like 995, I think, 996. Okay. So this would be this probably be the episode that bring it on home, break the thousand. I'll take it. Yeah. So for all these new folks out here, tell them who is the new guy. Oh, my goodness. I hate this question. Now I understand why people who sit across <laughs> from us on the show hate this question. Um... Born and raised in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, went to University of Delaware. I'm a mother. I'm um, currently a wife. I um, coach track. I um, teach high school math. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I'm a co-host on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> okay, no doubt. Now, born and raised in Wilmington, yeah? Yes. Okay, cool. So, I mean... You know, we're going to touch on a few things I feel like today. I didn't, you know, I don't normally script things out anyway. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I give thoughts to, like, what am I going to speak to a person about? But, you know, it's, it'll be a little different with you because usually when I have other people, it's like, okay, well, I have this music artist coming on, so we're going to talk to the music. Or I have this uh, community activist coming on. We're going to talk community activism. 
but but you was like, okay, we got a few different things to go off in here, because um, of course the radio, of course, got to talk about the radio, because you've been doing radio. How many years you been doing radio now? Oh my goodness. Um, I think I s- the first started maybe like what a year or two after you started, because you had the one co-host. Yeah. And then um, our mutual friend had brought it up to me. Right. And that's how I got on. But then I had to stop for a couple mm-hmm. of years. So on and off, I would say maybe about the whole nitty experience, so almost the whole eleven years. Wow, yeah. Mm, that's, yeah. Pretty, that's pretty long time. So now, okay, so now tell me, tell us first of all, you know, how you feel about your journey as uh, a broadcast journalist and co-host um, on the FM from the time you first started, let's say roughly 11 years ago, to here we are now, it's June 24th, 2019 at 9.32 p.m. Well, I think in the beginning... Um I don't think I understood how much work actually went into mm. being on the show. It was just like, oh, I just show up. First of all, we were on at like one in the morning. Yeah. So. Shout out to the graveyard <laughs> yeah. gang. So it was just like, oh, I would take a nap, wake up, and then go to the radio show. So mm. it was just kind of like, okay, let's just get on here and talk about stuff. But recently, or even um, before even recently, it was we did a short stint with another media station where we were um, possibly recording shows to go. Mm. I think it was internet. Yes. Live on the internet. Um, like an FM internet something. We so, were about to be podcast before podcast was podcast. Oh, I yeah, didn't even we think were. about that. Because <laughs> we, we recorded a bunch of shows. Uh-huh. And I even had a spinoff yeah. at one point in time that's from right. off the Team Nitty. Um, so that's when I realized how much work it really is to do this, to, mm-hmm. to have topics to talk about every week, to be able to engage guests, especially mm-hmm. if the guests... Um, like to give one word answers yeah. or can't expound, expound on what they're Shout saying. Shout out to the dead weight. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of work. That is mm-hmm. a lot of work to do. And even recently, um, just making sure that you're able to stay relevant. Because you mm-hmm. have to stay relevant from the older crowd to the younger crowd to the people mm-hmm. who are just your age. And be able to speak about whatever it is that they're talking about. And at least be able to communicate on whichever language level you need to. Yeah, and I think that's a real big component that, you know, <clears throat> a lot of... You know, a lot of people coming up in the game, you know, starting off in the game. I mean, not to say we, we're, like, on a commercial level, but, hey, you put in over a decade, you in the game. The content creation, being a content creator, you know, I feel like that's, I think, where a lot of people might fall short. Because, like you said, you got to do a weekend. And then, you know, we had the duty of having to do it for three hours. Yeah. Two, the, the minimum time we had was two hours. We yes. could be only between two and four hours, depending on, you know, the given time of the day. And it's like... People think they can do it, but then it's like, okay, can you do you realize how long an hour is yes. when you actually have to keep people engaged? Now multiply that <laughs> by three. <laughs> yes. And, and and make that happen. Like you said, especially when you have like, you know, guests who aren't really carrying out their own weight, for lack of a better term. So tell me, um, in terms of your radio journey, what 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 how do tell us about your growth? How do you see how you see your growth over the years of how you develop more? as a broadcast journalist? Um, I think, again, like you were saying, just being aware of different topics that could come up, um, being able to assess an opinion quickly, mm-hmm. um, just in case you didn't get a chance to do deep, deep research, you have enough that you can go off of, even mm-hmm. if you have to ask questions um, to dig deeper. Um, I think one of the main components that a lot of people don't realize is you have to be able to come off the cuff. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to be creative. Um, and sometimes it, it is good to be 
all the way on the other end of the spectrum mm -hmm. because it makes for good conversation. Plus, there's people out there that think like you do too. So, I think understanding how to be creative, um, understanding um, the time and place of when to say and when not to say, because yeah. there are uh, even growth in that. Because um, there were times where I can think back where I'm like, I said some crazy stuff. Church. I was like, yo, that was crazy. You are definitely and on then, the other end of the spectrum. When you said that, I was like, she's on a, there's a spectrum over yonder. And she's like that, that 1 a.m. stuff. Some mm -hmm. of the things, I'm going to just blame it on um, being younger and lack of sleep. Because mm -hmm. I think back, I mean, I probably, I don't know if I would say it again, but I would entertain it again. Yeah. Some of that so. stuff we probably couldn't get away with on the slot we're in now. Oh yeah, no. That Sunday afternoon slot. Absolutely not. We've gotten suspended for a lot less. <laughs> so yeah, nah, nah, that would not work at mm -hmm. all. Okay, so now, what what advice could you give to someone who now says, okay, I think I want to, you know, maybe I'm looking into the broadcast journalism route, maybe I want to go through like a WVUD, or maybe I want to start a podcast and I want to start building into that. What would you, what what gems would you give them for starting out? Um, I would first ask them, well, what is your show going to be about? Mm -hmm. um, at least have an idea of what it's going to be about. Mm -hmm. Nobody's just going to sit around and listen to you talk. Right. Like, you have to, to build something for people to want to listen to you for. Mm -hmm. So, like, Team Nitty Radio, when we first started, it was basically um, a haven for Delaware, underground Delaware artists. Mm -hmm. So that's what the platform was about. Right. Having those artists um, an opportunity to get their music out. Mm -hmm. It has evolved since then into more, but you had to have something to start with. Right. When I was going to do Triple XY. Triple mm -hmm. XY, the platform for that was male-female relationships. Mm -hmm. Whether it was mother-son, boyfriend-girlfriend, or like it was going to talk about relationships that right. people have. So I would say develop your platform first. Second of all, research it to make sure that there's enough that interest people to even have it. Even if you want to talk for a half hour, mm -hmm. you know, for, to interest people. And then lastly, check your own personality. If your personality sucks, don't do it. <laughs> now, how does one know if their personality sucks? Because I can't see somebody just saying, yeah, my personality sucks. They, do, they probably wouldn't. You would just have to have some friends that are real. Okay. That could tell you, yeah, this is not for you. Mm -hmm. Like, do people ever ask you to stand and say anything anywhere? <laughs> if that doesn't happen, then, you know, check that. Now, Ask yourself why. Now, given, you know, the digital era that we're living in currently, and, you know, podcasts are like all over the place, mm -hmm. you know, they're all the rage. Um, there's a good chance that, you know, it could be somebody, you know, personally that has a podcast out. Um, have you encountered a situation yet where let's say somebody knows like oh I started a podcast I'm starting a podcast and you either listen to it or just based on what you know about the person you're like uh that might not be it I have have you did you, did you tell that person no okay so they still podcasting no oh somebody told them I just think that their show sucks but, I mean, they what made them no stop listener. doing it? Oh, I don't okay. know. I just oh. think they didn't have the right amount of listeners. Now, what was what, what was the, your issue with that particular program? Like, what 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 could have been better? Um, that person, in my opinion, is only interesting on certain subjects. Okay. And so the podcast wasn't about that subject, so I, f I can't take you seriously. Did they ask you for your uh, input? No. Oh, is that why you didn't give it? You didn't want yes. to volunteer it? Right. Now, when did you stop volunteering your opinions? Because this is it was a different situation. What year was so, this? Ah, 
was a couple of years ago. Okay, so I yeah, you were to, you wasn't new trailer yet. No, you were still old trail. Like, you know, it's it's, it's it was a complicated situation. Okay. So no, I did not. Offer you weren't trying to hurt nobody feelings. I didn't. I just didn't say nothing. Cause like, you didn't want to hurt nobody feelings. That had not to be necessarily. It. But then again, do you don't yeah. always worry about feelings? That's what I said. It's, it's a, if I told you who it was, it then get, you would okay. understand. Okay. So, so it sounds like the person was boring. I still think this person is boring. Okay. But I mean, so do you feel like popping, do you feel like if they did the show geared to what you said they I guess what they might have expertise in it would have been better or was I do think it would be it would have been better and mm. I think it might have lasted longer, but do I think it would have longevity? No. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that. So <laughs> We gotta hop off the uh, broadcast media for a second, okay. and let's jump into education. You said you're an educator. I'm definitely an educator. The reason I want to talk about that is because, of course, you know, <clears throat> I do try to keep in mind when I'm bringing people here. I like to bring people who have some kind of um, relationship with or impact with the community, if you will. Mm-hmm. And of course, <laughs> being an educator, impact the community kind of go hand in hand. At least if you know you're an effective educator. Correct. Matter of fact, even if you're not, you can have a negative impact. So that's still an mm-hmm. impact on the community. So impact either way. Now, first of all, what what made you decide to get into education? That's an interesting question. So what's funny is I went to school at the University of Delaware for computer engineering. Mm-hmm. While I was in my engineering classes, I was also on scholarship. And at the time, the university gave a full ride. It was a true full ride. I could take winter and summer classes at no cost. Mm -hmm. So me being the person I am, I'm like, well, hey, if they're going to pay for it, I'm going to take some of these classes that I want to take, not just the classes that I have to take in order to graduate. So if you were to look at my transcript, you wouldn't even know what my major was, just from the gambit of courses that I took. And it's funny because one of the classes that I took at the time was actually education classes. And I actually student taught. While in um, college, Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been active with the youth um, from in church um, as a youth, being in the youth, being in the youth group growing up, um, being a mentor, being over the youth group and things of that nature. So it just made sense after a while that working with kids is what I like to do and what I love to do. Um, So after I stopped working at Comcast, I actually went into the school system as a behavioral interventionist. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found like, hey, this is not work for me. So I'm getting paid to do something that doesn't feel like work. So what's a behavioral interventionist? Um, those are the people who work like the in-school suspension room, okay. um, the hall monitors who gotta go get the kids out the room if they're mm-hmm. acting up, stuff like that. Okay, so now that sounds like, so now when a lot of people hear that, you know, people automatically think, okay, these must be the bad kids. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, the kids that are acting out. Mm-hmm. Maybe these kids like to fight, whatever it is. They, they're standing up to teachers, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So then when one hears that, uh, I would think, um, you tell me if this happens or not. People might think, oh, well, do we want to put a woman in that position? Because that could get, get rough with these kids. We all see, you know what I mean? We saw what happened to that white man at the beginning <laughs> of the movie in the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. Um, for two two part question one, is that an issue that people have brought up or concern? And two, was that ever a concern for you being a woman, knowing you were going to take on this role? Um, it wasn't really a concern for me because um, it's it's needed because there's girls who act up too, mm-hmm. and if you got to take a kid down, um, mm-hmm. which you are trained to do, you're not just rolling up in the school clotheslining kids <laughs> and stuff like that. No, it's a trained way that you have to take them take them down. If you have to take a kid down, um, it can come very tricky very hairy for a guy to take down a girl okay um and vice versa Mm -hmm. so you have to have the women interventionists there um 
in my mind have I always thought, hey, um, there should always be someone that's more qualified than me. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't have to be that person. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do your job well enough, um, a lot of times you can de-escalate the situation without it having to get there. Um, and the kids will respect you. So I've been fortunate enough to, I think I've only broken up maybe three fights. Okay. And in that um, time frame, you know, when the kids are angry, once they start getting, when it, you can see when it's boiling. Mm -hmm. So if they start boiling and you separate them right then and there, and even when they're mad, mm -hmm. the kids might still be yelling, screaming, and cussing you out, mm -hmm. but they still have that respect for you that they'll calm down. Okay. If you can separate them. Now, once it starts to actually throwing blows, mm -hmm. that's a little bit harder. Okay. Um, but either way, they always come back when they have that respect for you and mm -hmm. say, I'm sorry, that's not normal me, blah, 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 which you already know to be true. Right. So that's what makes it, it, it's, it takes a certain person in order to be okay. with those so-called, quote-unquote, problem no, population. Kids. Okay. Yeah. So now, you know, oftentimes we've heard, you know, I've heard, you know, whether it's um, educators or people who are on the outside looking and what have you, when mm -hmm. we speak about this particular population of kids, they often write them off already. Like That's there's nothing true. you can do for them. You know, their far gone cases just pretty much survive to the school year ends. But then on the flip side, I hear people who say, well, you know, maybe it's just the the level of engagement or the manner of engagement that educators or whoever they, whatever adults and authority have had with them previously. Mm -hmm. like, maybe you got to talk to them a certain way, or maybe you, you know, you can't necessarily address them like you can address the kid who's who's not a quote-unquote troublemaker. Right. But that doesn't mean that they can't be addressed in some productive manner to make them, I guess, you know, not not what they're painted to be. Where do you stand on that? Do you see these kids as, okay, it's just a, they need a chance or they need a different point of view or you need to work with them a little differently than others? Or mm -hmm. is it just like, oh, nah, what they say about them is true, but I just know how to work the room? It's both. Okay. It's some kids. It's just no matter. They just mm. they just that's just them. Okay. Um, and you have to recognize and realize that those kids are who they are. And mm. with them, again, I always would give a kid a, ch a chance, but they have a very short leash. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hey, that's not how we act in here. You already know that. Take a seat. That kid might sit down for a second and then go right back to that same mm -hmm. behavior that's not welcome. At that point, you gotta go. Okay. First of all, I mean, it's a shame because that's what that kid is used to. Mm -hmm. They're used to, oh, I'm only going to be here for about 10 minutes and then I'm going to be out anyway. They want to put me in a timeout room, blah, blah, blah. So you do want to try to keep them there, but it's a fine line that you have to walk between keeping them there and then allowing them to disrupt the rest of the class. Okay. Um, now, a lot of the other kids, there are a lot of them that they just need a different point of view. Mm -hmm. If all you know is Eastside Wilmington, then all you act is Eastside Wilmington. Okay when you take them even to like an escape room, mm -hmm. then they're like, oh man, I never did nothing like this before. And it opens up their eyes to try some other things that they may not know okay. or may not have seen. And that's all that it really takes okay. to do that. But if they're stuck in their world mm -hmm. and you have to see, show them that there's more than even just Wilmington, let me take you to University of Delaware, mm -hmm. Newark. Just give them a different pair of sunglasses to put on. No doubt. Um, 
Eastside, what up? No, shout out to Nice Street Catch. That that album is out album. there in real life. What do you think about it. it? I did listen to it. Um, well, fact, we're gonna say we're gonna make that a topic okay. now. Okay. Hold on to that. But in real life is out there. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, all streaming platforms. Uh, it's by Nice Street Catch, straight out of Eastside, Wilmington, Delaware. Yo, it's the album for the streets, y'all. Making it hot for 2019. That's that plug right there. So now, you, here's the point that I heard you make. You said when you you got into education, and um, you realized. It was something that you kind of loved to do, so it wasn't work. Right. Um, granted, they say, you know, uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Or yes. if you do it for free, you know, yada, 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 yes. passion, what have you. But I imagine there is a huge plus to actually getting paid to do it. Absolutely. So given that, could you see yourself, let's say, in addition to what you currently do, let's say volunteering somewhere in a, in a similar type setting where you wouldn't necessarily be getting paid, but you'd have the opportunity to have, you know, a similar impact that you have on the kids in the schools curriculum, whether well, it be like a, uh, a juvenile detention center or some kind of, you know, I don't know, nonprofit organization where they work with such a population, what have you. Um, I wouldn't say that I've necessarily volunteered. Am I against it? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, but what I can say is I also work with the First Day Destroyers track team. Mm -hmm. um, and you get all types of kids from there. Okay. So um, essentially, yes, because that's a good mixture. You get those kids who are on it, who have, you know, their goals and they know what mm -hmm. they want to do. And then you got the kids who are like, I'm just trying to participate. So I'm not out there doing whatever. So um, you treat it like it's a community service kind of deal? It is. I get I get community service hours for it. I don't get paid to do that. No, I mean like the kids who are there just because they were kind of forced to do it or? Right. Well, it is kind of like community service for them, but even with them. So a lot of them, first of all, they don't know nothing about running. So they right. just get into it. Most people don't. But, right. <laughs> You're right. But the thing about it is with this track team, which is so amazing, um, the majority of our meets are not in Delaware. Okay. So... They get a chance to go to Jersey. They get a chance to go to New York. We mm. go to Maryland. This year we're going to North Carolina. We've been to Texas. We've been to Kansas. Mm. We've been to Florida. And you know, you know, saying Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina to people like me and you is like, okay, we're right. gonna hop down to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. But to some kids, it's like I, I haven't even caught the dark bus past right. Rodney Square. Mm -hmm. So it gives them an opportunity to see some other things. Um, meet some other athletes and just try something new. Now, have you seen this have a positive effect or turn around on these children who may have otherwise not been, like, let's say, as engaged yes. prior to be getting this exposure? Yes. Okay. And even to the point where some of them are even considering going to college now. Okay. Because, um, you know, if you've never tried running and then you start running mm -hmm. um, or being active in a field event and you see that you're good because mm. a lot of kids are good mm. like that opens up the door for scholarships okay so there were several students who thought that they weren't going to college and got into goldie beacon okay you know that's college right nobody said that you had to go to arkansas or right. tennessee Some big D right somewhere but that's an education for mm. a kid that they didn't think they were going to get and let's talk let's jump on that real quick call it a sidebar if you will um i know and I know you've seen it. I mean, we were raised in it. And, like, people make, you know, your standard four-year accredited, accredited university, mm -hmm. what have you, the pinnacle of education, if you will. Like, you need to go to a UD or you need to go to mm -hmm. a Hampton or Harvard, whatever. But 
then some people kind of look down upon like community college, you know, mm-hmm. or, 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 or colleges low on that level, or the vocational schools, things of that nature. I just want to take this moment to say, get get all those notions out the window. Right. All right. Because first of all, you can get a great education at a community college for a fraction of the price that you're paying to go to a four-year school like the University of Delaware. And in many cases, you know, they, there's, there's actually stud, actual studies that show that in a lot of cases, if you go that community college route, it'll better prepare you should you choose to opt into a four-year college thereafter. Um, whereas, you know, some people who go right into the four-year um, program, they don't always cut it. Yeah, they're not ready for it. Yeah. Not to mention there's a lot of people in the four-year program who will take classes at the local community college just for, you know, the price cut Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So the quality of education is there regardless. And like I said, it's all about just showing them a different path. Mm -hmm. And I'm very passionate about that. And I'm passionate about it to the extent where it bothers me that a lot of the teachers that are teaching them, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to call it being burnt out or whatever it is they don't have the care for the kids and you gotta have it um there's some challenging days there's a lot of challenging days especially if you work with the um behavioral population Mm -hmm. um but you have to believe that you can still make that difference and if you don't then maybe it's time for you to move on okay so now let me ask you that 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 begs actually a, a a new question and We'll call this a loose parallel. I don't want people to like take it too literally here, if you will, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. So when we look at like the situation with police and police brutality and things of that nature, right? And you know, you often hear, well, not all cops are bad. Mm-hmm. There are good cops. And then it's like, okay, people say, well, how come the good cops aren't up here like speaking out, let's say, against the bad cops in their precinct, in the department, or or maybe even confronting them in some way, shape, or form to try to make change from within, right? Mm-hmm. So now as an educator who sees other educators that, like you said, they maybe they're burnt out. Maybe they just don't give a shit. Because mm-hmm. some people don't, quite honestly. Right. You know, maybe they're just here for a check because they're mm-hmm. educators they like that as well. Even though, you know, why are you going into education for a check and solar check? <laughs> exactly. You played yourself already from the gate. You should yes. <laughs> to th- social services, education, human services, those kind of you don't you don't do those for the uh for the bread. No, you don't. Yeah. Especially social services. Yeah. Oh God. So do you ever find yourself in a position like, well damn, I feel like maybe I should say something about this or maybe I should need to maybe I need to do something about this to affect change from within from the educator's standpoint mm-hmm. versus I mean, I know you're doing your thing with your kids, but you can only do things for them when they're on your time or what right. have you. But have you ever felt to yourself, I need to do somebody's other educator so when these kids are in their classes or what have you, they can get the same or a similar positive experience that they get coming out of mine? I have not um, done anything with the educators per se, mm-hmm. but I have had talks with the students. Okay. Where I'm like, um, it's funny because at my previous school, there were several teachers who would come to me and say, Hey, can you talk to such and such? Because when they're in my class, they mm-hmm. do this, this, that, and the other. And, you know, you don't have these problems with them. I don't. Well, can you, and some of them are like, well, can you tell me how you do it? And I'm like, I can't really because they don't have that respect for you because you did not start out right. building it. Mm-hmm. And even at my new current position, one of the main things that I've been preaching to the educators there just coming into it, I said, you have to take that moment 
in the beginning of the school year or beginning of whatever to build a relationship with them. Mm. You have to find something for them to be able to relate to you and you to be able to relate to them. Mm. And a lot of educators say, oh, I don't have time for that. Um, we just need to, kids just need to listen and do. I agree, because we come from the era of, I don't really got to get to know you. You're going to do what you got to do because you want to respect my position. Right. Whether or not you like me, I could care less, but you're going to respect my position. Mm. That's not the way kids are built now. Right. And that's it's a shame that it's that way, but it is what it is. Mm. And taking that half an hour to build something for that kid to relate to you will save you a lot of headache the rest of the school year. And that, that's what I've been telling a lot of the educators that I work with now. Mm. And a lot of them think it's stupid. But... It comes to show that I walked into a situation teaching math, pre-calculus and algebra two mm-hmm. in January. So these kids have already had a teacher for half a year. Right. I walk in in <clears throat> January and it's my job to finish out that school year. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many positive things said to me from the students, from the parents, and even to the administration about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I attribute it all to me taking the first 30 minutes of class in each one of them. And I played something as simple as a bingo game, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have your average bingo things on there. Like it would be like, um, sign if you have, if you have at least three tattoos. Okay. Um, sign if you got a mixtape about to come out. Okay. Things of that nature. Stuff they can relate to. Right. Stuff that they could relate to. And you know, me having more than three tattoos as well, you know, they're like, Oh, you got more. Well, where are your tattoos at? Well, you know, what do they mean? Right. That, little interaction right there will now allow me an opportunity to teach them how to solve a two-step equation right so it's just about building that interaction in the beginning so now these these educators that come to you and ask you you know what's your secret if you will or the ones who say oh that's stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> i gotta ask you uh what are the hue of these educators are these white people are these black people are there a mixture of them? they're mostly white okay and that's the thing that sucks as well um that i have a big problem with a lot of the educators, especially in our predominantly black school, mm-hmm. are people who don't look like these kids. Right. You don't look like them. You don't relate to them. Right. You're not even trying to relate mm-hmm. to them. And in turn, they give you their ass to kiss. Right. Um, and a lot of them, like I said, oh, that's stupid. That's stupid. But no, it's not stupid. Like I said, starting my new job, um, I had a student come up to me and I felt really bad. I started mm-hmm. in January. Um, this student also transferred from another school and mm-hmm. started, I want to say, February. Okay. I didn't come to work one day um, for whatever reason. And when I came back, mm-hmm. the student was gone. Um, they were they were checked into Rockford. Okay. When the student came back Rockford from Rockford. Rockford being a psychiatric facility for those who are not yes, in know. Yes. Um, so when I came, when she came, when the student came back from Rockford, um, that person came to me and was like, Miss Watkins, I was looking for you all day, all day. Nobody would tell me that you weren't here. And she was like, all I wanted to do was talk to you. Nobody would listen to me. Nobody would talk to me. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And then that person got sent to Rockford. So and, did they have like an episode or something? Right. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. And that really hurt me because it's like, as an educator, I feel like, dang, I can't even really take a day off because right. these kids really do come looking for you. And mm-hmm. it's a shame that other educators don't take this job that serious. Right. That's something like as simple as me taking a day off allowed us or 
I'm not going to say cause the student to go to Rockford, right. but I could have been a, a block to help right. prevent that. Okay. And I take that seriously. So now what's the disconnect there? Cause I know, you know, I've often heard that, you know, school systems, educational institutions are often looking for more, you know, um, educators of color, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, there's a disparity with them, especially in the schools that are mostly black and brown, you know, mm -hmm. boys and girls. Yeah, like you said, you got all these people that don't look like you, they're not from where you're from, they're not from any place similar to where you're from, so mm -hmm. they can't relate on it, and nor do they care to, and that's the problem too, nor do they even care to right. relate. Because, you know, I don't have to be from East Side to be able to try to relate to what a kid might be going through right. East Side. What's the, is there just a shortage of people taking up um, education majors in college or whatever the path is that would lead you to become an educator? Like, where do you think that disconnect is? Because I ask this because, mm -hmm. you know, and we both went to the same, you know, university. Shout right. out to UD, University of Delaware. And, of course, we had, you know, the, the School of Education or the education majors. And so I, from my viewpoint, and I know my little, you know, piece of the world is not the measuring stick for what goes on around, the, let's just say, the country, right? Mm -hmm. I see so many black educators because I know them. Or even ones who didn't necessarily go the route of being an education major or some sort of school, but whatever path they took led them into education. Case in point, yourself. So then I would think to myself, okay, well, we must be, the numbers of black and brown educators must be growing now, right? And, okay, we should start filling up the schools, changing the, st the statistics, if you will, a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of being an outlier, being a part of the actual deviation, right? Standard deviation. But a lot of these educators been in, been in the game for 10 years, 12 years, which means in 10 to 12 years, I'm still, 12 years later or 15 years later, I'm still hearing the same or seeing the same stats of the same song. What's the disconnect there? Um, it's probably a lot of things. I mean, if you, if you grew up in a school system not seeing people that look like you, mm -hmm. it's hard to believe that you can go into a job mm -hmm. like that. Um, so you have to be there in order to encourage them and let them know, hey, you can do the same thing I'm doing right now as well. So that's part of the disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, the other part of the disconnect is the pay. You don't get paid to do this. Like, you don't get paid enough to be cussed out by kids and everything else. And it's funny because kids, a lot of kids will say, oh, if I was going to be a teacher, Miss Watkins, I would be like you. But I don't know how you do it because I would smack somebody's kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, well, you could start with not being that kid. Right. Because <laughs> you are. Right. So mm -hmm. if you decide to not be that kid, then there will be more students that mm -hmm. don't want to be smacked. Right. <laughs> so, and I, I think that that's where the difference is. We have these... Um, black and brown teachers who care but it's not enough of us to fill all of the school systems mm -hmm. we're broken up we're spread apart so much it's kind of like still affirmative action is in it's in, in place in my opinion yeah oh we filled our quota that's it right so no matter how qualified you are or anything else and it's still always the good old boy network as right. well Mm -hmm. So if you don't know anybody right. and you're trying to get in, in the system mm -hmm. and nobody's there to pull you up and they've reached their quota, there's nothing that you can so, do. So now let's talk, let, let's, let's try to dissect this a little bit. Let's try to get some information here. So when it comes to teachers or educators applying into school systems, or mm -hmm. is that how it goes? They apply to a school system or school itself? Um, it depends. They, um, 
post positions mm -hmm. normally for the um, school within a district. Okay. But there are times where you can just apply for a district position. Okay. So now, has there ever been or has there ever been thought about, let's say, and you know, this, I mean, probably more wishful thinking than anything, but hell, let's put it on the stoop, see if the cat licks it up, right? Say, let's take, let's call it like a caucus of black educators, if you mm -hmm. will. Let's say you and, I don't know, 20 other like-minded educators and you say to yourselves, let's try to target this particular network. I'm gonna just say the school to keep it simple, but you know, I know that's kind of out there because the school would have to have positions open. Right. But let's just say, we like, let's target this school because they got, I don't know, 15 positions open. And out of our 20 group, we got 15 people who qualify for these positions. So instead of, instead of you applying to school A and you to school B and you to school X, Y, Z, we all gonna apply to school A and just try to flood the block. And then, you know, in the ideal world, I know y'all probably like, yeah, he, he totally is not, but whatever. <laughs> just let me run with my dream. You said it starts with a dream, it was all a dream. But, um, and I thought you were gonna hit Martin. Oh, I, I, didn't have a dream. I was going to, but then, you know, <laughs> I felt like that was too cliche. So let me just go ahead with my guy, Biggie. Um, and we're gonna flood that block on that school. So now we do have, uh, I don't wanna say significant because anytime you get one of us in it that can relate, that's significant enough to those children that they can impact. Mm -hmm. But you get like this big shift, if you will, in the percentage of black and brown teachers who you know are now in a particular uh, educational institution, which then can have that positive effect that we talk about with having the kids because they'll see people like them, people who can relate, yada, mm -hmm. yada, yada. There's no no way to kind of do anything, like, or even just say to get in the same district. Like, let's say, okay, a district has 10 schools. And because Delaware, I know we got a few districts. Let's say you got Red Clay, say you got Colonial, mm -hmm. and let's say you got MOT. Okay. Instead of, okay, we, I'm just applying to MOT, and he's just applying to Red Clay, and she's just applying to Colonial, whatever, nobody can say, okay, well, how about we all just apply to Red Clay? I'll be able to figure, if nothing else, we can just start tagging the district now. Even though we may be in you know, different schools, mm -hmm. but we're starting to change the demographic of the teacher population in that school, and then maybe that could lead to others just say, okay, because I figure teachers going to have to, like, just a matter of attrition, teachers retire, teachers quit, teachers right. get fired, y'all right. so spots will open up. Right. Any initiative like that? Probably not. Okay. And the reason being um, to go along with that is every district has a different pay scale. Okay. So if you were, okay, so like for example, I was in the Christina School District. Mm -hmm. I love the Christina School District. The mm -hmm. Christina School District is full of black and brown students. A lot of them um, are what people deem and consider to be if you make it through high school, that's where you're going to stop. Okay. I love that district. I loved working in that district. I actually miss my so-called baddie kid. Mm -hmm. The difference is when I went to go uh, continue to work, mm -hmm. there's a significant difference between the amount of money I would get paid in the Christina School District and the amount of money I get paid in the Brandywine School District. Okay. Significant. Okay. So... Which you're now but you're not in it for the money, though. That's what you said, I'm right? Don't get into it for the, for the money. money. But at the end of the day, I still have a family. <laughs> I still have a family. I'm not in it for the money because mm. I could have made a lot more money as an engineer. True. That's what I went to school for. True. Um, but, and that's where you have the double-edged sword. Because mm -hmm. what I've noticed is, um, so like, for example, in the Christina School District, I had those kids that I was impacting saying, hey, you can be better. You don't have to stop right here. Here, put on these sunglasses and see this different part of life. Mm -hmm. And then now I move over into the district that's considered not as 
um, bad, more mm. diverse of students. Right. Um, it's still a need for those kids too, mm. because now they feel like, oh, I'm just in the back burner. I'm just stuck in the back because you got all these other mm. races and mixtures of people to have to deal with. Um, that I'm kind of like left left in the shuffle. So now at the new school, like I said, I've only been there since January, but from me being there, they have initiated a black student union that's mm-hmm. going to start next year, <clears throat> okay. and I'm actually the advisor for that. Okay. So they needed it too, just as well. And they also need to see the success stories of, oh, this is a black woman teaching right. higher level math. Like, I'm not just doing your algebra ones. Mm-hmm. Like, they're coming to me for pre-calculus, algebra two, and I can't even do calculus. Right. Um... So there's a need for them to see that as well. Okay. So to say for all of us to go target one district per se, right? We're now doing a disservice to our other ones everywhere else. I got you. So now you said um, students started a black student union. I've never heard that at the high school level. It's a high school. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. Well, I've never heard it be before. You know, beneath the college level, if you will. Yeah, it's a lot of schools that have them now. In high schools and stuff. In high okay. schools, yeah. So now. That begs the question, too. You know, oftentimes we'll see or we've seen where, let's say, there was a program some school experimented with mm-hmm. and it proved to be successful. And then it started to spread like other schools wanted to adopt that form of their blueprint and to where it might become a part of a, a, a district's curriculum or a state's curriculum mm-hmm. or even a national curriculum. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's the, this Black Student Union, you know, phenomenon has done that. Yeah. Um, do you see that as that as another possible way that I guess teachers can try to get the effect or the impact of having more, let's say, relatable teachers mm-hmm. without actually having more relatable teachers, if that makes sense? So, wow, if I start, let's say the Black Student Union thing was not a thing yet, and maybe you had an idea, okay, you know what? I had a black student union at UD, and I see all it did for me. Why can't I have, we do it at this high school mm-hmm. level, right? And do that, and then let's say, I don't know how it works. So you pitch it to the higher ups or what have mm-hmm. you, and then however it spreads, it spreads. Whether it's you got to keep pushing it to other places, or they said, this is good, let's, let's talk to other districts about this. Do you see that as, a, as potential for, let's say, individuals or groups of teachers who are in the same network of a school or what have you to be able to try to um, create these new or these more positive experiences for kids? I do. And that's one one way that it is happening. Mm. So um, I can say wholeheartedly, I know for a fact, Mount Pleasant High School, Mm. um, AI High, and Thomas Edison, um, which is like an elementary slash middle school, Mm. um, were three schools that I know of specifically that have black student unions and had... um, like HBCU mm-hmm. um, day or okay. whatever at the school, mm-hmm. just to bring awareness to the HBCUs and of course historically, um, Greek historically black Greek life right. as well, where a lot of these kids may not have had the opportunity. And it was interesting because because it becomes an eye opener for not only the black kids, um, mm-hmm. the black and brown kids, to see that there's these institutions um, that's able to help support their education, Mm. but it also informs white kids as well who um, had no exposure to it as well. So it does help to create a more diverse group of people. Okay. So that's that's a good thing. And it also does allow you, like you said, an opportunity to teach students certain things from your 
perspective right. without actually being a teacher there because there's mm. a conglomerate of BSU teachers who work on it. You guys work together and things of that year. And, and it could also be the deterrent as to why they're not hiring more mm. black teachers um, in these systems. Were they worried about the revolution? Probably. <laughs> but th- see, but then it, it sucks because then again, you look at it this way. So in my current school that I'm in, the current school that I am in, the population of uh, black kids in this school, I believe, was um, 33%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Hispanic is about 15%. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is about between 3%, meaning that, of course, the white race right. is the majority in this school. And it bothered me because out of 3,000 occurrences mm-hmm. or write-ups that happened in this school, 2,000 of them are by African-American students. Why? Why is this number so high? And what are the percentages again? 33% okay. African-American. Okay. And, but you got 2,000 of the 3,000 write-ups. Right. Right. I attribute that to lack of understanding of the culture, mm. lack of them um, having teachers that look like them, mm. and there's no advocacy for them. They don't know how to self-advocate. Right. And... Like in my math department, there's nine teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one black guy who will not be there anymore, and then me. Mm-hmm. So, in our math department of nine teachers, you had one black guy and one black woman. Now it's just going to be one black woman. And it's like that across the whole school. So, they don't have anybody advocating for them. But the thing is also, why don't you see that as a problem? So the school system sounds like it's reminiscent of the criminal justice system. Yet. Yes. Yeah, okay. That prison, the pipe, the school to prison pipeline is real. It's a real thing. It's real. Mm-hmm. And I, as I'm digging more deep into it, that's a like it's really real, and mm-hmm. it's a shame <clears throat> that it hasn't been addressed in a more um, detailed manner okay. and try to be fixed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's just my pet peeve, like that really bothered me Okay. that we had 2,000 of the 3,000 write-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. So now, <clears throat> uh, how explain your interactions, if you have any, with white students being a, a black teacher. Um, or a black female teacher right yeah. there. <laughs> it varies from mm-hmm. time to time. Um, coming to the new school and having, you know, more of... Um, my nine black and brown kids, I did realize that, you know, my, I did have to switch up the game a little bit because mm-hmm. at the other school, I could easily, like, it was more of, like, black mama situation. Like, yo, you want to sit down because it's time for you to sit down. Mm-hmm. I'm not explaining anything else past sit down because it's time for you to sit down. Shut up, Latrell. And we're going to go ahead and <laughs> move on with what we got to do. Mm-hmm. And it was able to be done. Now... It's a, it's, a, it's a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you have to explain to me why you decided to grade the test this way. Oh, you don't want to explain to me? Okay, then you're going to explain to my mom. Actually, I'm not going to explain to you or your mom. <laughs> That's what I'm not going to do. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because you don't want to be the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't want to be the welcome mat. Right. Either you're just going to rub your feet all over me. Um, so it's... You got to try to find that fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, I had so many, like, just as many parents that I had calling and praising my um, the work the work that I was doing with the kids. Mm-hmm. I had a few amount of parents 
that were calling and wanted to question my every move and wanted me to explain what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And that's the part that's bothersome when you're working with more of the white kids. So now when we talk about the entitlement, I got to imagine that when you take that approach that you're taking or you get that response that you give, they take that autonomy and want to go over your head and say, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to just handle it with the superiors or the higher ups or what have you. Mm-hmm. What happens at that point? Especially given how the school sounds, will the school have your back or is that something you even care about? Unfor- I mean, not unfortunately. Lucky enough, fortunately for me, I did have, um, the school did have my back. Okay. Because again, I had more praises mm-hmm. than, oh, I had one student, um, this student had an A in my class. Mm-hmm. It took a test in their class. Their grade dropped down to a B. Mm-hmm. The father sent this long email. It was like, oh, um, her last test was worth 70 points. This test was worth 190 points. Mm-hmm. It was. Your son failed. <laughs> when you fail, your grade goes down. Right. Enough said. Oh, well, you need to explain why there was such a big difference in the jump of points. I covered more material. <laughs> Simple enough. Yeah. Like, I'm not dig deep diving. And, mm. and the thing about it is, right, I, not only that, I gave them an opportunity to do corrections. Mm-hmm. So I gave you an opportunity to do corrections so you can at least get at least half of your points back. Right. And I'm still sitting here trying to explain. It's like, no, your son failed. That's how the grade goes down. It right. just works that way. So I was lucky enough, like I said, fortunate enough to have um, administration that had my back. Mm-hmm. Not only that, at that particular school, the principal was a black female and one of the assistant principals was a black female. Mm-hmm. Um, so them having my back was a was a great thing. Um, and it does help you feel good, but at the same time, it is a lot of extra BS that you have to deal with. It's like, okay, do you want to deal with the kids who right. like to talk back and have um, a lot of mouth, mm-hmm. or do you want to deal with the parents who want to question your every move? Right. Rocking a hard place, it sounds yeah. like. Okay, cool. Yeah, I gotta be frustrated. Um, and then you have the teachers mm-hmm. who want, and um, we had a guest uh, from the Brown Eye Perspective who mm-hmm. broke it down real eloquently to me when he said, You have a lot of white female teachers, mm-hmm. that's the only place that they feel their power. Right. So they try to hoard over you as well as me being a black woman teacher, like, oh, I don't have any say-so in my home because I'm married to a white man or whatever else, you know? Mm. Um, This is still a male-dominated society, so I'm still under the man's foot. But who can I put under me? Oh, this black woman. And so now Mm. you're dealing with that as well. Okay. Now, how do you deal with that? Um, I was in a rock and a hard place with that situation as well. Um, I ended up um, without better judgment of my own. Uh, well, and I'm sorry, not, I'm not going to say without better judgment of my own. I ended up, we had a situation that ended up caving in mm-hmm. to this woman. Um, I did let her know how I felt about it, um, which, you know, was neither here nor there in her right. mind. She still got what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me felt defeated for that. But in my mind, I just say, okay, she may have won the battle, but she's not going to win the war. Okay. Now, if you had that to do all over again, would you would you still okay and just think about thinking about the war or some might say far as for the trees? Um, I think I still would have caved because my overall goal is to be there for the kids. Okay. And it wasn't worth the fight um, 
because okay. I still need to be there for those kids. So you choose your battle. Right. Okay. So, and it was it was a really hard thing. Mm-hmm. Really what happened is this: the teacher wanted my classroom right. because my classroom has windows. Mm-hmm. So she went all around the back channels or whatever right. to politic to get this classroom. Again, I told you the administration was black females. So they were like, the classroom is yours. Mm-hmm. It's yours. Right. Um, but it kept going around and around until I was like, I'm tired of talking about this room. Mm-hmm. And then someone else broke it down to me. They said, what you don't realize is it's a power symbol to a lot of people. You could care less about these windows. But when you think about big businesses, what do the people want? The corner office mm-hmm. with the window. Yeah. You got the windows and you haven't been there long enough. Mm-hmm. So to her, you took her power. Right. And so part of me was like, well, yeah, black women rise. I'm a queen. Ha, sit down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it was just so much going on. It was like, okay, Latrell, do you want to be the cause of strife within the math department for something that you just, yeah, you had administration had your back, but you got to work with these math department people mm-hmm. every day. So do you want to have strife in, strife in your department, which could lead to, you know, in the long run, you having issues or just give this woman the, the windows and let her still realize that with your windows, you still suck as a teacher and I'm still better than you. And, you know, mm-hmm. grow from there. Now, it's funny you should say that because uh, on the last, on the most recent, on the previous episode of One on One with the One and Only, I went One on One with the One and Only Cliff Von Howe. And mm-hmm. he was talking about how one of the things he said that stuck out to me, you know, he said he's unapologetically black. Mm-hmm. And another thing he said is that He's not out here to make anyone feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna, I guess, say what he said. I mean, it'll be, you know, within the, the channels and, the, you know, whatever it is, the respect levels, yada, yada, yada. Right. He's gonna say what he say, say it loud and clear, plain and simple. And if that makes you uncomfortable, that's probably basically more on you than you right. know, anything else. Having heard that, do would you now be like, okay, well, granted, I get what you're saying, far for the trees, you know, big benefit. But make her feel uncomfortable by saying, you know what, no, damn that. We're just going to have to do this out because even though she, you know, remember we said earlier in the show, um, people don't know their personality sucks. Right. So as far as she's concerned, she may not know she sucks as a mm-hmm. teacher, you know, unless somebody told her, you know, through whatever your rating system is or what have you. Mm-hmm. So the one thing, and this is me theoretically just thinking and speaking here. The one thing you might have been able to do, snatch that room, keep her uncomfortable, keep her feeling quote unquote powerless because she ain't got it at home, she ain't got it out there in the world, what have you. Mm-hmm. And if that leads to strife in the math department, hell, you ain't no stranger to conflict. I'm not, but and I'm still new. Mm-hmm. I'm still new in this school. Okay. And there's different goals that I want to accomplish. Okay. So do I let this one woman um, possibly affect my future goals? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not, in my opinion. And she knows that she's not as good as me, and that's part of the issue. Okay. That's why that's why she had to have that status of mm-hmm. the window. Okay. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Because her students were leaving her and coming. Instead of going to see her for office hours, they're yeah. coming to me. Okay. Her students are passing because of me. I tutored so many students that weren't mine mm-hmm. in the five months that I was at that school. Okay. And most of them were hers. So... What's kind of, what do you consider like, I don't know, well, you decide, short-term or long-term goals in terms of what you're doing with your education right now or where you're at? Um, and I, re- I asked that because, like, okay, you already said, you know, you kind of, in addition to being new, you have certain goals or whatever that you want to achieve. 
Right. But now, you know, and granted, props to you, because basically I asked you earlier about volunteering. That's what you're doing if you're taking these other her kids into yes. the office hours, right? But again, it's like, okay, I know you don't no kid left behind with the trail, and I I can dig that. <laughs> but then that begs the question, what's kind of your end game here? Because that's still taken away from you. It is. My end game um, that I'm looking at now, which is something that I never looked at before, I'm actually am considering an administration role okay. later on down the road. And I don't want any marks on my record that right. could, could create a barrier. Uh, right. So, for example, there's teachers there who have spoken up and for justly spoken up, mm. um, African-American teachers. And because we still work in the good old boy network, um, it's come back to bite them. Mm. And that's not what I was looking for. And to be honest, like I said, so the administration had my back. They were mm. like, it's your room. Yeah. You want it, it's yours now. Well, within that same week, the principal is no longer the principal at that school. Okay. That principal has moved on to a district position. Right. Granted, do I think that the principal could have still protected me in that district off mm. position? Absolutely. But the new principal is friends with this teacher. Okay. So to me, it was like, all right, it was not worth it. Chess because at this point, you're, you could come in and be like, yeah, we're just going to switch rooms. Okay. Because you are the youngest, um, you know, teacher. Right. You don't have any seniority, so yeah, you gotta go. Okay. Um. So yeah, and the thing about it also, I don't, I didn't want the room with the window. Right. I get cold easily, <laughs> and my desk was by the window. Like I never wanted it. It was all about how this lady was moving. Okay. She could have had the room, and we would have never had no problems. It was all about how she was moving. Okay. That stopped me, and I just, to me, I'm looking at it as now you're just making me make sure that I prove that I'm still better than you. Right. Like now you have the corner office and still what? Mm -hmm. What? Nepotism? You only here because you knew this principal? Like right. that's how it's rolling. Mm -hmm. You have no value, you have no worth, and you will still feel this in your little life. Okay, cool. So. Well, that was a good wrap to the education segment. Let's yeah. talk music. Let's talk Ninth Street Catch. You finally listened to the album. I did. It's hashtag in real life on all streaming platforms. Uh, brought to you from a... a that's just a kid out from Wilmington. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's out there, east side of Wilmington, Delaware. Shout out to uh, Hook, who also you know produced all the tracks. So yes. yeah, you got Hook and Catch. It's such a good combo name, man. I really like saying Hook and Catch. Um, what's your thoughts on in real life? Um, I really like War Stories. Okay. That was the one that I was like, ooh, I could keep listening to that. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest and say that I found myself listening to the beats more right. than his actual lyrics, mm -hmm. um, except for War Stories. Okay. Like, um, so, having heard this and having heard our co-host AC on Team Nitty Radio say he can relate to like 90% of, mm -hmm. of that album, <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? You heard my thoughts on it already, having had heard the album at the time. But now that you've heard the album, what are your thoughts there? On whether or not about, I can no, relate? about AC being able about to AC relate really to 90% of what's going on. Well, I, that, okay, AC, AC is a, a, I don't want to steal the word goon because that's what Park, Park is. the goon is. Yeah. But I don't know the other word. Well, she's, to, she's the goon. He can be a goon. Okay, well, he is, he is a goon. <laughs> if you are relating to 90% of, of this of, album, yeah. 
then there's no way you should be getting mad when we say one way in and one way out. At all. You should actually wear that as a badge of honor. Yes. Because in real life, it's a street album. It make, is. Make no two buts about it. And Ninth knows that's what he was making it to be. He was giving his his life out what he lived in them streets. And that thing is a street album. It's talking about everything from moving weight to, you know, fighting to... Yeah. Taking the next man's chick or whatever, or yeah. you know, keeping the money in the in the shoe boxes, growing up under the guns and the drug dealers and the right. cold blooded killers. Say, what did he say? That the the streets was your dad, Yo, like all that type of stuff. We was raised by the stop sign. Didn't have no father figures. Raised by the Glock nine, drug dealers, cold hearted killers. No cold blooded killers. They dropped, gave their knowledge to us. Ran to the streets for our father figures. Right. That was the hook. Exactly. <laughs> And AC say ninety percent, ninety percent. Yeah, no, um, I can't. I know I can't relate to ninety percent. Can I relate to some of it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some of it through my own experiences, some of it through the experiences, some of the <clears> dudes <throat> that mm-hmm. I knew growing up, and some of it through the experiences of my students. Right. Now. But me personally, Mm-mm. no, not ninety percent. No, no, not ninety yeah. percent. I only touched a gun when I went to the um, gun range. I still never touched a gun. Yeah, that's the only time I, <laughs> I went to the gun range and shot a couple yeah, times. Yeah. But other than that, no. Yeah. And so, yeah. And with, and I'm not saying that he's talking about having a gun and all right. that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But just, 90% kind of covers a lot of the yeah, material. material. It's so like, like, so what didn't you relate to? Exactly, that's, yeah. That's what we what should ask him next time. Yeah. It, which you never had your chick stolen? Right. I mean, I, I don't know what he's saying. Right. So. <laughs> Did you never put pressure on her dude if he wanted, like... Yeah, like, what did you do? (laughs) You know, yeah, so, but no, I did, but I I think I like the music better. Mm -hmm. But then again, you know, I listen to songs differently anyway. Yeah, you do. But I would say, too, giving up a listen, because, like, it got better for me with each listen. So, yeah, I'm going to listen to it again. It's it's definitely riding music, too. I'll be in the car, that that beat catch or whatever, and, you know, yeah. I think I was also... um, surprised by his voice because mm-hmm. of his rap voice which is a lot of people his rap voice was different than his talk voice and mm-hmm. it's not what i expected to hear when he okay. first started talking mm-hmm. or rapping is it better or worse or um, i don't think it was i think i don't think it's better or worse it's just different, it's just different. okay yeah all right cool he actually just celebrated his birthday uh this past weekend oh yeah over at bull bay and uh, it's funny because it now i see that in real life t-shirt on mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. that i actually know but I never paid it no mind. And then I'm like, oh, that's that shirt. So now, Remember on Teen Nitty Radio? That we were supposed to get, get one? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I thought about that as I was listening and to the know, album I, this I, morning. And I follow both of them on Instagram and I be seeing them. I don't say nothing about the shirt. You know, I've been more so getting on them because he also said he was going to send clean music. And that's the other thing I looked at. So I looked at his album and I looked at the tracks. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's when I was like, dang, the only thing that I really feel like these underground artists need to understand that if your goal is to make some money. Mm. You can't have every track be explicit. Right. Some tracks got to be kind of written. And not to say you can't have no cusses, but yeah, some of them. It have to be because if it's, it's going to take radio. too many edits, it takes away from the quality. Of the right. Song. Nobody's listening to a song that goes. Uh, e, e, right. E, uh, you're not listening to that. Mm-hmm. And the point is, you need to get radio spins mm-hmm. in order if you want to be yeah. as big as you want to be. Or not even radio spins. You got to get something to put your music out there on a, a live platform. Yeah. You're not going to be able to perform at any um, 
award show. Mm. You're not going to be on the BET Awards if you well, can't edit. You might get on the BET Awards yeah, nowadays. BET, they done, they got real, especially now they let you say shit. Yeah. And oh yeah, on BET. Yeah, well, I was watching last night. Yeah. They, yeah. Did you watch the awards last night? No, I did not. So. Everybody I was, watched Lizzo, okay. and I loved it. Yeah, that was a good performance. Yeah. So everybody was saying shit, first of all. Didn't even matter who it was. It was rappers, the host, uh, uh, all of them. Regina Hall, everybody saying shit. And then, like, you know, some of these songs come out, and it was like, BT, you need to get editing in the budget or something, because it's like they were trying to edit, but they weren't quite catching the edits mm-hmm. on point. So, yeah, maybe they didn't hear the whole fuck, but you heard, like, the fuck, uh, and then you heard the cut. Like, they might have just got one little bleep in there. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, these are not good edits. And I'm like, come on now, BET. Yeah, I guess you're right. I shouldn't have used BET. They're kind of like source awards now. Yeah, they've changed. Yeah. They've changed. So, but, yeah, but, I mean, if you if your goal is to be successful, you got to be yeah, able to have some Soul something. Train Awards, I'll tell you that. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that was that was the only thing that I was like, dang, mm-hmm. this is your downfall. And then now, if you got to take the time to edit all this, then like then you just it's like you redoing a whole nother album. Yeah, some well you know with some of them songs too, a lot of these artists will go back in the studio and like sub in different words mm-hmm. instead of um going, which of course is still a lot of work too. Instead of having people having to like you know bleep out everything, which I mean that'll work too. But I guess it's a learning process. It's, I mean that's you how know, I, he's just coming up. When I learned um 187 by mm-hmm. Dr. Dre and Snoop. Yeah, we like all I knew it was the radio version. Yeah, yeah, and then when I heard the real, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, blew the whole mind." That's not my. That's not the words I've been saying. Exactly. But yeah, you got to be able to yeah. do something like that. It's quite a few Snoop songs was that actually blew my mind like that. pretty good at doing that. Mm-hmm. A lot of Snoop songs, he had the, the part that could be played on the radio, yeah. and then you would go buy the album, however mm-hmm. you bought it. Then you got the part that you wanted yeah, to be yes. Because I was singing "Doggy Dog World" very different than when I heard the <laughs> album. I yeah. Like, I was like, "Oh, okay." Oh, yeah. yeah. The only song, well, not that he put the song out, but DJs were trying to put it into their mix. The only song they couldn't get that going right was It Ain't No Fun. If the homies can't oh, handle it. Oh, the homies can't handle it. Yeah, they yeah. just had to keep just edit. I was like, you shouldn't have tried this DJ. Right. Snoop didn't put the song out for a reason. He, yeah, that, that wasn't <laughs> That's supposed a straight to be, album cut. Yeah, that was yeah. strictly for the album. No so, doubt. Yeah. yeah, so we covered all that. It's about time to wrap up. We're about a, uh, just over an hour in. I mean... You know the drill. Uh, well, first of all, before we even get to the you know the end of the show drill, um, what advice or what gems could you drop on not only um, students who are graduating that's that's looking to get into the education field, but people who just who might have been in education maybe not as long as you or, or they could have been as long as you because I'm sure you come across people who you said people still come to you and ask you you know your mm-hmm. things. So what's some gems you could give to these uh, educators out here in the system? It is, like I said earlier, it all starts with a relationship. Mm -hmm. You can teach a child anything you want them to learn Mm -hmm. if you can build a relationship with them. You have to be relationship first and then academics after that. Okay, cool. And now, of course, for the drill, you know, we don't let anybody leave without saying saying something positive to the people out there in radio land and podcast land, internet land, social media land, whatever you listen to this thing here on. Uh, Without further ado, tell the people something. Well, I actually was scrolling through Instagram earlier today, and I actually ended up screenshotting um, this gem that was dropped by uh, our very own Delaware and University of Delaware grad, Tracy Body. Okay. And it says, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenge, wish for more wisdom. John Ron. 
Damn, I wish I pulled up a quote or something. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't do my same uh, sign like all the other Oh, stuff. here? No, yeah. I mean, I always keep these things because yeah. these are things that I also give to my students. Oh, okay. They start off with quotes every day. Oh, and oh. I, Every day. A wise man once said, uh, if you ain't ever been to the ghetto, then don't come to the ghetto because you don't know <laughs> you know, shit about, about the ghetto. ghetto. So stay, stay your ass out about of the, the ghetto. ghetto. <laughs> now, before, a wise man. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, now, before, uh, hey, uh, a smile is contagious. You know, you give one and you'll give one and you'll get one back. And like I have said the last couple of episodes, you know, live a life that you don't feel the need to take a vacation from. Yeah, on that note, it's Nitty in the City. We bring to you one on one with the one and only Trail the New Guy Watkins. And we out! One on one with the one and only is presented by the Nitty in the City podcast. All views and opinions expressed by the individuals on this program are those of solely those of said individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of this program, Nitty in the City, or any of its affiliates. The original background music is provided by Lance Chris. Special shout out to the financial supporters of the Nitty in the City podcast. For more information on how you can support Nitty in the City, send email correspondence to Nitty in the City, that's one word, at gmail.com.